Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Julie Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. talk to you this morning about a multi-generational church because I believe the church that God is empowering and has always wanted to empower because who knows he's the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. He's a generational God. He speaks generationally. He thinks generationally and it's never about one generation. It's always about the generations moving together to fulfill what he would have on the earth. Amen. Because we all are part of his body. But if we have a look at 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 26. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts are from one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But if, in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Hmm. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker or indispensable And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Is that the, that's it? Yeah, fantastic. It makes sense, doesn't it, when you see it in that context. I've, I've been a church planner like for 20 years and um, really with 20 years experience, you see a lot of people come and go. And I, I see the strength that comes I've seen and experienced the blessings that come when people old and young work side by side on a common mission. When people from all age groups are involved in a shared mission and recognise the need for various gifts and experiences to help make that work, ministry flourishes and generational differences seem to melt away. 
The sense of kingdom completeness that comes when generational boundaries are blurred is rooted in Scripture. God's kingdom includes all ages. Look at this Psalm 145 verse 4. One generation shall declare your works to another. That's what Pat did this morning. One generation will declare your works to another. From generation to generation, the Scriptures tell us we are blessed and enriched by each other's perspectives. You know, even old people connecting with young people across the generations also prevents valuable opportunities for mentoring within um, churches. I mean, especially Gen Y. I mean, I'll get to the generations and what they mean, but Gen Y, they really need and long for the connection with older people. And that's because a lot of them have come from divorced families. A lot of Gen Y have come out of that place where they're, 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 their fathers aren't present because they're working so hard and that time, they're so time poor. And so they're longing, they're longing for community and connection with people that are older than them. We can't think of cross-generational mentoring as a one-way street either. You know, it's the young people have so much to give us. I know that when Phil and I um, sit in meetings with Luke and Candice, I mean, you're not young people anymore, but I'm just older and so are you. But anyway, you're still young people to us. And we sit with, you know, Luke and Candice and Gillian Andrews say, Jess and Ev, you know, these people are raw. We sit with these people and we listen to them. Even at times I'm like sitting with Ollie, Beck, you know, I sit with Rachel Mondell. And I allow my mind to go to that place where they are. I allow myself to understand the message that they're bringing and not try and just be, you know, the typical baby boomer that, you know, just wants everything my way, but actually try and open up and understand and listen so that the younger generation can bring something so beautiful and so fresh. But because they communicate it differently to me, Sometimes I'll shut that down because I don't understand the way they're communicating it. And I want to explain that more in a little minute. Is that okay? So it's not a one-way street. You know, generationally, we help each other. While retired church members representing the silent generation or even the boomers can mentor younger people, youth also have skills to share. For instance, Technically literate Gen Y can teach older members a thing or two about harnessing the power of the internet to accomplish ministry goals. Thank you, Jesus, for my Gemma. Oh my God, I wouldn't even know where to begin. Gen Xers may challenge authority and rules, but they bring intention to vision and purpose within a congregation's ministry. My gosh, I mean, you've got to understand. You know, I know I look young. But you've got to understand, when I was a kid, we didn't have a television. We didn't have a television. Luke, we had a radio. And we used to listen to this show called Dad and Dave. Oh, Dad, what you doing, oh, Dad? Do you remember that? And my father would sit us all around at night before we went to bed to listen to Dad and Dave on the radio. It was a really corny Australian radio program. And I remember the day, the first time we saw a television, Phil and I were at the same school and they called all the kids into the biggest classroom they had because they didn't have auditoriums back in those days, just the biggest classroom. And there was this tiny little box. 
It was like that big, you know. And there was a, there's this whole room of the whole, you know, all of the kids in primary school because they called us in to watch man walk on the moon. And there was this little box. We'd never seen a TV before. It was black and white and it was the tiniest thing and you could hardly see it, but we were in awe. We were just like, oh, look at that. We're watching right now live man walk on the moon. This was amazing for us. And then you Gen Ys, when we say, oh, I can't work this iPhone, you laugh at us and go, <laughs> of course you can't work an iPhone. You're an old person. You've got to understand, we've gone from no television to the technical things that you're working right now, and we're doing okay. Amen. We're doing okay. My mother learned to work a computer at 68 years of age and learned MYOB at 69 and was doing the book, the book work and the accounts for this church at that age, and she nailed it. She absolutely nailed it. So we can learn if you teach us, but don't laugh at us because it's not nice to be laughed at, is it? Um, yeah, and there, Gen Xers may challenge authority and rules. I mean, Gen Xers, we'll explain a little bit in a minute, they may challenge authority and rules, but they have such an intention to bring vision and fresh vision that, you know, some of us baby boomers or our traditionalists might go, oh, they're a bit, you know, cheeky, a bit disrespectful. Why don't they just do things the way they've always worked and stay traditional, the traditionalists would say. And the baby boomers would go, you know, this is the way I've always done it. And then a, a Gen Xer will come along with, you know, wanting to bend the rules, wanting to make it look different, wanting to do it outside of the box. And it's like, <gasps> and this is where a lot of churches fail because a lot of pastors and ministries, they just won't listen. And so they just, no, we'll just do it the way we've always done it. And it works like that. And that's why you used to have these churches full of old people. We know young people in there anymore because they've always done it the way it is. We have to keep it like this because this is how it was. It was great in your good old days. But, you know, you've got to listen and you've got to stretch yourself. And they may be a bit harsh, the Gen Xers, when they speak. They may be a bit, even what we would think, disrespectful. But it's not disrespectful. It's innovative. It's creative. It's... It, it's outside the box, and if we listen, you know, we can partner together. But at the same time, the Gen Xers have to understand that there is, you know, sensibilities that have been learnt through the years that they need to honour and respect. You know, there's, there's experience that they need to say, well, you've got experience in this. What do you think about it? Amen? Are we getting this? Yeah. Um, what the Holy Spirit intends... Bridging generation gaps in the church may, may seem like a lot of work, but the rewards will be worth it. It will foster unity and provide a purpose that is larger than any individual generation hopes and experiences. Through multi-generational ministry, the church can begin to experience what the Holy Spirit intends for us all, to be a body of diverse yet unified people. Oh, that's amazing. A cultural generation is a cohort of people whose youth was shaped by a particular set of events or trends. Because of this, they shared experience. Cultural generations develop similar values and approaches. So what happens? We say, okay, how do you define a generation? A generation is defined by the experiences, the cultural changes they experience, and somehow it defines the way that that generation perceives life. Amen. Just have a look at this screen here. 
screen one, yeah. Oh, well, no, that one, yeah, that one. So this is, this is what we say right now. We've got five generations right now and the last generation are still being defined. So if we all work really well at what we do, we may be able to define the next generation in a great way. Amen. So here's traditionalists up there, and that's Pat's generation. We can do it. And then you've got the baby boomers, you know, in there. And then you've got Gen X, and Jilly would love that because she lived on the Muppets when she was growing up. And then Gen Y is the technology age, and then you've got Gen Z is the, the ones that are growing underneath that. <clears throat> So just keep that up there. So the silent generation, they call them all the traditionalists. They're most of the silent generation, these guys, because they've come out of the war. I mean, I know that, um, you know, Phil's dad, who's just passed away, was a traditionalist or a silent generation. And, you know, he was telling Phil things as he was dying about the war uh, that he had never, ever discussed with Phil. And they were life and death experiences that he had. There were experiences about watching his friends die. You know, incredible stories that would have enriched Phil's life, really, to know that his dad had that inside of him. But they were a silent generation. They didn't want to talk about it. They got home from the war and they said, let's just not talk about that anymore. Let's just build our nice fibro houses, put our white picket fences around, have our nice families, have the little wife at home with the apron that cooks and cleans, have nice three kids. And, a, and we don't want to talk about war. We don't want to push boundaries. We don't want to step on anyone's toes. We want to be peacemakers and we're going to be quiet about anything that's bad. We're not going to talk about real life in any extent whatsoever. So they were the traditionalists and the silent generation. They're about 74 to 95 years old. So stand up if you're a traditionalist or a, a silent generation. Is that you, Pat? Is there anyone else? Looking up. Yeah. You did well. There you go. Wave your hands around like you just don't care and be proud of that. Amen. This generation grew up in the years following the Great Depression. The harsh economic climate of childhood taught them discipline and self-sacrifice. Over the course of their lives, this generation saw their affluence increase. They tend to be team players who are loyal to organisations and churches. They have a huge knowledge legacy to share and a strong work ethic. Have you ever sat down, really, with an older person and, and just ask them questions. What was life like for you when you were growing up? You do it all the time. And you know what? Sometimes you just sit there in tears because there's so much, they're so rich in their knowledge of life and what they've experienced in life. Like none of us here have experienced war. They did. They experienced war. They experienced things that we've never, we don't have any knowledge of. I remember uh, once, you know, we got to sit down and listen to someone who was uh, a survivor from the Nazi war, a Jew, and a concentration camp survivor, and just sitting and listening, you know. Remember that lady and that man? We just picked up this lady, gave her a ride home, as we do. We often do that for people. We noticed she was struggling. 
walking and it was a hot day and Phil said, we'll give you a lift home. And she said, oh, I've got to go down to Westfields first. We'll drive you down to Westfields, get what you want, and then we'll drive you home. And we, she ended up inviting us in for a cup of tea. Her husband was there. We stayed for hours and we just, they were just, oh, we were crying. Just the richness of telling us how they escaped the concentration camp and, and how that, as they were running out of the concentration camp, they looked at each other and went, I'm male, you're female, let's hook up. And they stayed together for the rest of their lives because they knew that each other understood what it was like to survive. And, you know, and they, were, they just had no family left. So they just connected and stayed together. They had this massive big house, massive big house with about five bedrooms. And we said, why have you got this big house? There's just two of you. And they said, because we were so confined in those concentration camps, we were so squashed that we both swore to each other that we would get the biggest house that we could so we could breathe and so we could never feel claustrophobic again. I mean, God, you know, and we, we walk past these people on the streets every day and don't connect and don't enrich our lives with their stories. It's such a shame. Even in our own church, how many of you have sat and talked to Pat and you, heard, you haven't talked to her at all and you saw that video and go, my God, this woman's incredible. She's got so much to give. Tim McGrath is one of the kindest, most beautiful, incredible people there is. But the knowledge that he's got in manhood, in leadership, I mean, he was Phil Pringle's right-hand man for many, many, many years. He knows a lot of stuff about church and he's very well respected in our movement as a great man of God and a great mentor to many, many leaders. Is that right, Tim? But do you know that about him? Have you ever asked? Have you ever, after church, instead of hanging with your usual mob? That's Aboriginal for gang. No. You know, you go up and you just have a cup of tea with the families you talk to all the time or the people. Why not go up to Tim and say, Tim, have a coffee with me today. What have you got to share with me? The baby boomers. Stand up if you were born between 1944 and 1964. So you're between 53 years old and 73 years old. I'm putting my hand up there. I'm well in there. You know, and sometimes I feel like a Gen X. So the thing is, stay standing. We want to look at you. The thing is this, that sometimes you can be on the borderline of some of these and you go, oh, I think I'm more Gen X than a baby boomer. If you're on the end of it, you can be more Gen X. I think I'm more Gen X and he's more a baby boomer. So I'm younger than him. Not by much, one year, but I feel younger. I feel like a Gen X. I feel like I get them better than baby boomers. Anyway, so just stand up while I'm talking. Baby boomers grew up in a time of unprecedented economic prosperity and post-war hopefulness. They were typically raised in nuclear families, most often with a stay-at-home mum. Boomers worked hard and were rewarded for it. They tend to be optimistic and driven by success. Because of their sheer numbers, they are the largest generation alive today. They have dominated the workforce for decades. Boomers excel in tackling issues and finding solutions. You are the ones that broke through. You, you're the guys that went, burn the bra and, you know, and, but, but, but said, no, women deserve a voice. And you're the ones that, you know, declared we don't want slavery. And we, you know, we, we fought. This generation were the ones, were the fighters. 
They survived. They didn't just survive. They fought. They brought change. You're the ones that brought change to our world. And you continue to bring change to our world. You're the ones that won't compromise like Pastor Phil. You know, I'm saying, I'm building a church and we're going to have a building and we're going to have a kids' church building because we're used to being the ones that break barriers and push through and bring change. And that is a blessing to the house of God and a blessing to us because we know that you will fight for us. We know that you will fight and you will push through and you'll stay committed and you'll give your tithes and you'll, you know, you'll fight for justice and you're, you're great. You're amazing. You may be seated. Have a look around. Go talk to somebody who's a baby. Don't talk to me about because I don't understand baby boomers. I'm too young. <laughs> Definitely Gen X. <laughs> Maybe this half's a baby boomer and this half's a Gen X. I don't know. I am very young in my thinking. Oh no, I Luke Boyd. Especially when I put my glasses on and off like that. I've grown a cataract. I've grown a cataract in the back of my eye. In this eye. And I can't see out of one eye. It's ridiculous. That's the baby boomer's side. And then I've developed acid reflux. And I went to the doctor. I said, what the heck? What is this? It's burning my vocal cords, this acid. And, he, and I said, what's caused this? And he looked down. He said, well, you are 57, Julie. You're getting up there. I went, oh, that's ridiculous. Ridiculous. It's got to be a reason. I went home and I drank my apple cider vinegar and told him to shove it. I did. <laughs> Generation X, born between 1965 and 1977. Stand up if you're a Generation Xer. It's about 40 to 52. You're not an Xer. Hey? You're a Y. But you act like an Xer. You're on the edge. I'm telling you, you're half X, half Y. I'm telling you. <laughs> Luke Boyd. So these guys here, these are your Gen Xs. Um, divorce and working mums became the new norm for this generation. And many in this generation demonstrate characteristics of independence, resiliency, and flexibility. Gen Xs came of age during a major recession. They saw their parents laid off after decades of service. Many graduated from university to find new jobs and opportunities. As a result, Gen Xs become loyal, not to organisations, but rather to their work, to their team and to their boss. So these people will be the people that would say, I'm not loyal to C3. I'm loyal to you, Phil. I'm loyal to my team. You know, that's what... Look, I can see Shane going, yep, that's me. That's right. Um, Gen Xs thrive in situations that minimise rules and maximise flexibility and participation. They value feedback and for looking for meaning in their work. You know, Gen Xs, they really don't like to be micromanaged. Like, don't micromanage me. Trust me. Give me space. That right, Shane? I know that. You know, Shane feels fantastic with working with Gen Xs because he gives him that space and says, I trust you. And I'm going, you shouldn't trust him that much, Phil. <laughs> like, that's, that's my other part. It's me baby boomer side, right? <laughs> no, I don't. You trust him. It's incredible. We applaud you guys. You're amazing. Faithful, loyal people that just will be there and love on us. I love you. Let's give them a clap. Get to know a Gen Y. You need to go have dinner at Phil and Fleur's house. I'm not kidding. You know, Phil's a very shy man, but once you get him talking, what is inside of him is like just a wealth 
isn't it? Yeah, you've been with him. I know Dougie, you spent some time with him. There's a few younger guys in this church that you wouldn't even think that go to Phil Cairns to get some mentoring because he seems so quiet. But when you get with him, is that right, Dougie? Call you Dougie because you're cute. And I'm allowed to because this side of me, the baby boomer side, calls you Dougie, right? This, no, that's the wrong side. Anyway, the other side calls you Doug. And that's fine. <laughs> Go to their house, have a meal with them. You know, these dinner parties that we're talking about, when, when have you invited someone or been invited by someone that isn't your age group? And you just go and just hang out with people that are a different age group to you. You've got to taste Fleur's cooking. It's to die for. Yeah. So as we're having these dinner parties over January, invite someone that you don't usually hang out with. And I don't know if any of you have ever talked to Dickie. He doesn't talk very much, Dickie. But my God, what a faithful, incredible prayer person, worker. I mean, he is a treasure. He's rich. He may only say two or three words, but those two or three words mean an awful lot. Just when he says, hello, pastor, good morning. I know that he's been praying for me. I know that he's been thinking about me. I know that he loves this church. You know, I just love it. I love people and their ways. And so um, Gen Ys. So Gen Ys are born between 1978 and 1995. Stand up the Gen Ys. Tim was about to stand up then because he's a little bit Gen Y in one side. These are the Gen Ys, right? So have a look, at it. Have a look around. And some of you baby boomers and Gen Xs, have a look at the Gen Ys because this is the generation that I'm telling you, they want relationship. They want community. This, this generation have lost community. You know, where we used to go play out in the streets as kids and play cricket together and everybody was trusted and you could go down the creek and go to someone's house. You didn't even have to ask your mum. You didn't, you didn't, you know, you didn't come home all day. But this generation, I think they're called the latchkey kids, aren't you? you the latchkey kids? Anyway, we'll find that out in a minute. Who were given, you know, keys to the house because mum and dad were working and you had to make, yeah, yeah, latchkey kids, yeah. And so this generation have lost community. They don't come home and mum's cooking dinner anymore. It's like mum comes home from work tired and they have to cook dinner and there's, you know, they've lost that sitting around the table with the family, staff, they've lost community and they are desperate for community back, this generation. And that's why, you know, church works. Church works if we can get community. So the Gen Ys, raised in a child-centric world. This generation has been showered with attention and held in high regard by the adults in their lives. It's our fault, the baby boomers. I'm so sorry. But we, we set you up to fall because we just told you we we're all perfect. You can do anything you want. The sky's the limit. You don't have to stick at the same job forever. You can change jobs every week if you want to. You find out who you want to be. And we set you up for a fall. I'm so sorry, but we did. And so they were showered with attention, held in high regard by the adults in their lives. As a result, they are self-confident and achievement orientated. Technology has surrounded them from birth and they are more techno-savvy than any other previous previous generation. Their parents involve them in many social sports and school activities and they are masters in multitasking. They thrive in teams and expect structure. Is that right? Is that right, Alana? Alana, Gen Y. She's a Gen Y king, queen. You know, I say, if we say to Alana, this is what we want you to do. Well, how, what does that look like? I need it written down. 
I want A, B, C. Do you want me to put a structure around this for you, Pastor Julie? Yes, please. <laughs> I'd love it because I'm a baby boomer. I just do it. And then this is the structure, people. I love it. The way that Luke preaches, you can tell the structure that's put into it, the thought process, the the, the, you know, the, the, um, the training he's given himself, the reading material he's read, the way that he's pushed himself to the limits. You guys are amazing. You really are amazing. And we want to get to know you. you we want to get to know you more. Amen. You may be seated. How am I going? Woo, awesome. Yeah. Um, so Gen Z is coming up and that's everyone that's under 22 and we're still working out their distinctives. So that's why it's a challenge for those of you that are in the youth department, you know, understanding this next generation. But you see, the same way that the baby boomers shaped Gen Y by overparenting, you know, telling them they were amazing, teaching them to multitask, being in every sport, you can swim, you can do football, you can dance, why not? Go and do it, do it all, we'll pay for it. We'll work three jobs and we'll drive you around everywhere you need to go. You can do this, this is amazing. And now, you know, you've got this generation like that. In the same way, if we can really work out what God is saying to Gen Z as parents, as mentors, as generations, then we should be able to impart into this generation something that is so profound. I look at ones like Ruby, you know, the McManus's little girl, uh, Joey, you know, there's a couple that you just go, oh my God, what? Some of those kids in kids' church, you talk to them and they are so spiritual. I don't think I've ever seen such a spiritual generation as the ones around that age that are just getting God. They're just, and that's why Mary, this year we're releasing her again. She says she's committed to at least five years as kids pastor because she wants to raise this generation all the way through. She wants to bring them all the way through. And we're doing studies on the Holy Spirit, miracles, um, feeling useful. And I'll share more about that later. But Mary is studying how to raise spiritual children because this is a spiritual generation. And you parents that have got kids right now that are under 22, you need to be saying, what do I need to sow into these kids that they would just get in love with God and be, you know, that spiritual generation that are going to move mountains. Amen? Yeah. Just quickly look at this. So I'm going to finish, but I just want to flip through this. Just have a look at this, um, this screen, 2 to 7. Just go through quickly. So they, you just have a look at these characteristics. a little hard to read. But see here, we've got the traditionalists to do with money. Traditionists pay cash, baby boomers buy now, pay later. We're good at that, aren't we, Phil? Oh yeah, terrible at paying it back. And then Generation X say, save, save, save. Generation X, oh, save, save, save. And Generation Y, earn to spend. So they just want to pay with cash. They just, they're very good. They're amazing. My kids have taught me great stuff. Cut up that credit card, mum, they tell me, and I do. And then Traditionalists, you know, um, education was a dream to traditionalists, to baby boomers, it's a birthright. Um, to Generation X, it's a way to get there. To Generation Y, it's an incredible expense. And to traditionalists, we're looking now at family. And um, what does that say? Oh, traditional nuclear. And then baby boomers is disintegrating. It's a disintegrating family. And then Generation X are latchkey kids. There, Generation Y, a merged family. So you have two parents, four parents, 
you know, merged families. And then traditionalists, uh, we're talking about values, discipline and conformity. I know my dad was just like, I said, that's it. You know, that's it. I'll get the belt out, you know. And then baby boomers, optimism and involvement. Come on, kids, we can do this together. It's going to be great. You're amazing. And then values and Generation X, sceptical, fun, informality. And then Generation Y, realism, confidence, extreme fun and very social in their values. Traditionalists, the way they dress, formal, baby boomers, business casual, high-end, Generation X, business casual, very low-end. And then Generation Y, whatever feels comfortable. Yeah, amen. The work ethics here, we're talking about work. Uh, Work is for... um, the traditionalists, an obligation. For the baby boomers, an exciting adventure. For Gen X, a difficult challenge. And for Gen Y, a contract. That needs to be broken regularly, by the way. And then in, um, here we are here. Work ethic, so good. Communication is important. So, you know, formal communication as far as traditionalists go. Don't try and send a text Although, Tim, you're amazing at text. You're, you're good at encouraging through text. Or an email, you know, ring them up. And then the same as us, we like in person, except Pastor Phil, who's become a little bit Gen X on that end. And maybe Gen Y even is, is quite savvy. And then communication here in Gen X, we need direct communication. And Gen Y's email, voicemail. How many of you know Gen Y are getting... They're losing communication. They're losing the ability to be able to talk. Put your phones down, guys. Here's a little bit of word of advice from whichever side, baby boomer, Gen X, whatever side I'm giving it to you from, maybe just from a mother's heart. Put them phones down. Pick up a phone and call somebody and talk. Or you're going to lose the ability to communicate one-to-one. And what's happening with Gen Ys is that they're so used to texting and emailing that they don't know how to read body language anymore. It's true, isn't it? We've lost that connection with body language. And so communication for traditional individual, team players, for us guys, entrepreneur for exes and participative influencers, volunteering. Yeah, so this is a good one. So traditionalists say, it's my duty to build a legacy for the following generations. Um, baby boomers, to, by being involved, we will shape society for the better. And then Gen X is not sure why I should bother to get involved. And then Gen Y is, I want to get involved because I have great ideas for how we can improve situations. It's great. Yeah? Motivation. What motivates them in volunteering? If you say to someone who's a traditionalist, your experience is respected, that will motivate them to volunteer, those of you who are team leaders in this place. Um, if you say to a baby boomer, you are valued and you are needed, we need to hear that very often. If you say to a Gen Xer, do it your way and forget the rules, they can move. And at Gen Y, you'll work with other bright, creative people. They love to work in teams and with bright and creative. It's great, isn't it? Does that give you a bit of insight into that? Yeah, amen. So boomers may believe that Gen Xers are too impatient and willing to throw out their tried and true strategies, while Gen Xers may view boomers as always trying to say the right thing to the right person and being inflexible to change. 
Traditionalists may view baby boomers as self-absorbed and prone to sharing too much information, and baby boomers may view traditionalists as dictatorial and rigid. Gen Xers may consider millennials or Gen Ys too spoiled and self-absorbed, while Gen Ys may view Gen Xers as too cynical and negative. And the way that we communicate with each other is so important in understanding our generations. For example, to get an effective message across to traditionalists, you may need to say your experience is respected. That's what we just said. It is valued to hear what you've worked for and worked for in the past. Baby boomers may need to hear such messages as you are valuable, you are worthy, your contribution is unique and important to our success. Meanwhile, Gen Xers may need to hear messages like, let's explore some options outside the box. Or your technical expertise is a great asset. Thank you, Colin. This morning, I've missed your sound. That was perfection. It was incredible. Love that. Millennials or Gen Ys may seek similar messages to you. You will be collaborating with other bright, creative people. Gen Ys don't like a one leader. They like team. They like working together as teams. And you have really rescued this situation with your commitment. Amen. Let's just check out this video here. It's very short. We need to understand each other and it brings great results. Just have a look at this. This is a story of two souls separated by 78 years. Nora had just turned four and was at the grocery store with her mum buying cupcakes. When she proudly proclaimed to an elderly man, Hey, old person, it's my birthday today. The elderly man named Dan warmly wished her happy birthday. Nora then asked for a picture with Dan and the two chatted as though they were old friends. Dan parted with the words, this has been the best day I've had in a long time. You've made me so happy, Miss Nora. Nora's mum posted the story on Facebook and someone recognised Dan revealing that he'd lost his wife Mary earlier in the year and had been lonely ever since. Nora and her mother went to visit Dan and the little girl drew pictures for her newfound friend. Dan in turn cut her a rose from his garden which she keeps under her pillow. Nora has healed me, says Dan. The two remained friends vowing to see each other once a week. And should, and should inspire the rest of us to say hi to more strangers. Isn't that gorgeous? It's so important that we, that we understand each other, connect with each other, and we can make a difference in each other's world. See that little girl there? You know, that guy, when you read the full story, he was so depressed that he was just waiting to die. That was his words, I'm just waiting to die. I just sit here staring out the window every day, and I'm just waiting to die. And that little girl brought him life. What can we bring to each other by understanding where each other is at and understanding the way that we process and the way that we think and understanding our life's journey and the experiences that we've had and talking about that with each other and respecting each other right where we are and loving each other and not criticising and laughing and mocking at the generations that are coming up or the generations mocking us for being old, but actually working together.
We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.